Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Awakenings with Michelle Mache, the weekly dose of spiritual and metaphysical insights and information for navigating the soul path. Listeners are invited to call into the show for a reading or with questions and comments. Call 347-539-5122 and press 1 on the keypad. Also, join the Sacred Space of Empowerment live chat. To create a username, register with Blog Talk Radio. It's great to connect with all of you here. Hello, everyone. Oh, yes, it is so great to connect with all of you. Those of you that uh, have been listening to the program for a while, you know my voice. Those of you that are new to the program, I'm Michelle Mache. I'm your host, your pilot, and... um, We've got the co-pilots in the chat room, also known as the Sacred Space of Empowerment Room, and a lot of wisdom in there. So we're just getting in there. The chat opened a little later. Yummy, yummy. I had my decaf Americano. Did my Pilates this morning, meditation, ready to go. And I see callers uh, um, in the queue. Yay. Um, If you have a question or a comment, please press 1 on your keypad, um, Tamara, mmm, decaf Americano. Yeah, I'm really sensitive to caffeine. In fact, I got into, I love green tea, but I get decaf, and I got into the matcha a little bit, making that with almond milk and um, a little wee bit of honey. But I really, boy, it's got a lot of caffeine. I guess it's like concentrated green tea, and I haven't been able to find a decaf. So if anybody knows of a decaf matcha, So I put just a little bit in, and then I put my decaf uh, green tea. But I drink a lot through the day. I'm like a major beverage person, you know, between water. I do my maybe my matcha in the morning, or I'll do my Americano. Um, I had a little bit of goat yogurt this morning with um, blueberries and raspberries. Those of you that ask me sometimes, what do I do in the morning? There it is. But it can be different. I like changing it up. Um, okay, lots to dive in today. We've got a great guest. I'm really excited for this one. Um, I'm excited for all of them, but you know me. Some of them really, you know, that seem to be in alignment uh, more so uh, kind of piqued my interest. Anyway, we have Mark Go- uh, Gober on. And if you want to check him out beforehand, he'll be on at the second half of the program for Awakening Dialogue, which uh, is about 1245, 1250-ish, depending how many people I'm, you know, are in the queue for um, readings and questions and such. But you can go to markgober.com, M-A-R-K-G-O-B-E-R.com. And uh, if I'd like to remember uh, to let people know who's coming on, because I know a lot of you'd like to check out who's the guest. And you may have questions already. Um, all right, so we're going to be connecting with him later. I will be getting to calls at numbers 347-539-5122. Please press 1 on your keypad. That highlights uh, a little flag on the switchboard that lets me know that you have a question. Actually, it's a little question mark, actually. <laughs> okay, 347-539-5122. Press 1 on the keypad. Okay, so um, a couple things, um, topic suggestions, guest suggest- suggestions, I always say at the top of the program, please email me, 
at awakeningspodcast at gmail.com, uh, not at Facebook me or, um, or the Soul Playground. If you really wanted to get, because we have somebody that handles the show, does all of that really, really well. All the Soul Playground stuff is for people that want to work with me or get the weekly Soul Insights. Um, you can sign up for my blog there at uh, soulplayground.life as well. Um, if you want to be in the loop, in the soul loop, how do you like that? The loop of the soul for all things um, Awakenings and Soul Playground. Um, again, just you can email awakeningspodcast at gmail.com. Okay, awakeningspodcast at gmail.com. And just say, put me on the list uh, for the psychic forecast and soul path happenings. Okay, so I do a tune in. And I've been doing more as the energies rev up. Um, also, thank you all that have been leaving your amazing reviews. Thank you for your appreciation, comments, and reviews on iTunes. Um, not only does it make my little heart, actually I got a big heart, um, really joyous and appreciative with the appreciation, it bumps us up in the not only the iTunes search engine, but the search engine in general or search engines. Uh, especially Google. So, uh, yeah, and it helps other people find the program, which is a happy thing, a good thing, because a lot of people get helped by the program. So I hear. Yeah, and join me on my YouTube channel as well. I've been doing readings. I did do a reading for December for all the signs, uh, earth, air, fire, and water. I did it in the elements, but I did weave in some individual things to each individual sign as well and did some healing work at the end. Um, You can go to Lightbeam21 or Michelle Mache will get you there. Um, Yeah, perhaps we'll play around too as well. And I love hearing how you've been listening to Awakenings. That's so cool. And also, if you feel so inclined to record let me know your awakening and send it to awakeningspodcast at gmail.com or either a little snippet because we're redoing some promo for the show and for some other projects. Um, are you awake or are you awakening? Have you awakened? Um, what your experience is a sentence or two, what you either noticed from listening to the program or your own personal journey of awakening, Okay. So I want to use that in some audio for the show. So if you feel like getting a little creative and sharing, just send us that at awakeningspodcast at gmail.com. So we have a great, um, you know, all of, I just know it represents so many because if it's one or 10 or 20 or 100 or a few hundred, it represents thousands of you that listen to the program. You guys are really awake and aware and really consciously on a path. And with that, I want to just one caveat. If you're going through a lot of struggles and strife, especially on the financial, that has nothing to do with your consciousness. It's just a shift. There's a shift, a major shift in a redirection, a reorientation, not just a redirection of energy, but reorientation of us individually and the whole soul game. Okay, that's why, you know, my website's the Soul Playground. Yeah, we're awakenings. I've been doing what since 2006. Very important. 
Um, but it's awakening to the soul playground and recognizing we are on a soul playground, and that has started. So what somebody asked, how do could I, with my talks, because some people, and thank you so much for the appreciation. I've gotten some emails lately, people really uh, loving my sharings at the beginning and my tune-ins, as well as the readings. I've gotten quite a few emails of people saying, you know, I can't call in, or sometimes I can't call in, or I work. You know, I have my kids at home. It's just too hectic for me to call in, but I always get my questions answered by the people that call in. So whether you're in the chat grounding the energy and just being you and asking questions or just, you know, really holding the space for the energy or you're calling in, you're helping to co-create the show, as well as those that are emailing questions in and, of course, those that are listening. So it is a big co-creation. So. But we have, um, I got inspired by a couple of people that um, emailed me, and one asked where I fit in, and they had, I think that a couple of people had done my, the last guest we had on, they, they said, oh, it's very similar to the um, Liberate Your Life, clearing the whole core wounding and core belief that's holding you back, as well as the high vibes. And uh, yes, it is. Yes, um, I would agree with you. It's becoming more, I think this kind of technology is becoming more known. And, and people or experts that were doing spiritual bypass or just focusing only on the mind are now recognizing that you know, we got to deal with the emotions as well. And, of course, you know, what we know it from, you know, holistic health and hypnotherapy models, it's the retrainment. We get, you know, entrained entrainment but it's retraining or retrainment and of course now there is a lot of research backing up that yes it does change the neural pathways you know there's a biochemical change or biochemical component first off into what we think how we think and what we do daily there's a payoff and and you know there's a lot of research done in this um, that even negative or non-life enhancing patterns that bring a sense of comfort release serotonin or dopamine they're 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 comic they're either cognitive or a feel good so there i feel a lot of that is going to be developing um even more so those that emailed me about um and i'm going to get to the question one said um they wanted to go through some talks they remembered something i talked about and they said but it isn't listed i always have the guests that we have on listed Part of that reason is is because just like with my clients, it's like I know I'm brilliant, I know a lot, but the higher self knows a lot more. The God, the all, the I am that I, I am essence, the intelligence, innate intelligence of the universe. God knows a lot more of what's pro. So I will have an idea of something, and it might be pretty darn amazing. But I do meditate and I tune in so it can change. The top what I'm going to share or how I share it or what I relay may change by what I read. So, <laughs> and that has a lot to do with all of you. That's why a lot of you, when you call in or you email me or you leave a message on the Awakenings page, by the way, we have a great group page, community page on Facebook called Awakenings. Please join it um, and, and share Please share what what your insights or what you're going through, you know, real deal sharing. Um, But, yeah, that's why, because it may change. There may be some more pertinent information by you, the collective, 
not just the soul wave or soul, tri- or soul tribe or soul group of us, but the soul wave, which to me, it's like the, the, the drop in the ocean, the wave that we all are, even before we separate out into, into groups, you know, whether it's by astro- astrological sign or likes or what we're working on behaviorally or emotionally or whatever, uh, there may be a download. There may be something else that's more pertinent. And by what you ha- all have that are listening, not just calling in or in the chat, but listening and that you're going through, I pick up on that collective way. And that's the same thing that happens when I'm doing the readings on YouTube, which I love it. It just it reminds me because I did readings with a friend of mine back in the day who started astralcom.com. I think it was in 95. Let's say I came back 96. Yeah. And the whole chat thing was big. And I did a little experiment. Some people heard me say that. I was doing readings in chat rooms. And he's like, how can you do that? You can't see the people. Or I said, but I can feel the energy. I can feel what they're going through. Or, you know, what their question, some of them, what their question was going to be even before it happened. There's just like this preceding energy that comes up. And that's one of the reasons I love doing the YouTube uh, readings, uh, whether it's the pick a card or the, the astrological with the tarot, the chant. Right away, I, I sometimes even hear certain people asking questions. And then I'll get a comment from someone, that was me. It will be exactly what I said, either the name of the person or the exact circumstances of, you know, somebody leaving, moving and going to a place, going, you know, I said the Far East, and then they'll say, oh, I went to China, got a job there, and I hated it, came back. Even exact, exact, exact um, situation. So, but I can not only feel it, I can see it, and I can hear it. So the same thing happens when I'm about to tune into Awakenings a lot of times I'll get the messages from people saying, go talk about this, go in this direction. So that is kind of a long-winded answer. but So that's why it, it doesn't necessarily have what is the topic of my conversation. Man, it may change in the new year. I don't know. Maybe I'll, you know, touch on something and then go off script, so to speak. Um, yeah, this is why in acting I didn't really like scripts either or hosting. I was like, or I remember when I had my talk show, fashion and beauty and they would have set and you see me do this with guests because people you know I always think follow the kernel and you will hear even right some of you have heard um I can't think who is that woman that lived with the Maori and she was very and she said she's very reserved how did I get her to open up I, I she's answering questions that she never would or um people will say you know god we really went deep and um it's because I just remain open to what's there. Yeah, there are talking points, but I don't want to just stick to that. I want to, what's, what's the juice? What's happening in the moment? What are we really co-creating here, right? Yeah. Okay, so then kind of inspired by James, and I am going to answer you further, James, because, you know, you, Tamara in the chat, and me, a lot of you, a lot of you, named and unnamed we've been doing this you guys keep me accountable you keep me on my toes but he interesting asked a question that I've been looking at you know with my next level of expansion and what am I doing here and what do I do where do you see me fitting in that part I'll have to answer a little bit later it's a little longer but what I can share with you is I work with the soul not only the soul group or soul tribe but the soul wave or that pool of consciousness right? 
And basically, it is the 411 or it's the heads up. Now, certain things I won't say on air or predict. I'll do more one-on-one or I did a lot with group channelings or sometimes in the teleworkshops. Um, and why? Yes, I could do the David Icke. I could do all that. I could do the prediction. Okay, the conspiracy theories. I could, we could, listen, we could do that, guys. We could do it. I can do it. I know the info. I know what's going on. I knew what was happening with Trump. I could tell you not only things psychically and channeled, but a friend of mine was married to the uh, head of the FBI. <laughs> I know people in poly. I could go there. So what? It's interesting conversation. But we have things to do, like our life. So where I come from, and it's my formatting coming in, doing this and, you know, forever, um, and perhaps as a teacher, I don't know, and very practical, maybe it's the earth part of me. It's like you still are living. So my, it's to help everyone acclimate to the new energy and do something with it because the other others is very paralyzing, you know, by – overly engaging within the system or being afraid of it or angry about it or seeing the injustices that are happening, but not individually changing your life, opening up to more consciousness, connecting more to your soul, isn't going to help anybody, isn't going to help anything. You know, it's going to help the people that sell the books and the, you know, the programs, that's for sure. But um, let's see what Tamara's saying. I wonder if it will be for Marion Williamson to run in Oh, yeah. Uh, that's an interesting thought. No. And that's a good point. Be, let's all be aware, because especially me, I mean, not just me, but people, I know, we, I know since I've worked with some of these people behind the scenes, they may or may not be as awake, aware, or conscious as what they're presenting in the book, you know, or on the podcast, or on the TV show, or whatever. You know, we all have our, our stuff, and sometimes the people that rise the highest have the most because then they don't have time to work on themselves anymore. There's a lot of shadow material. So, and that's one of the things that's being worked on right now, uh, which I want to touch upon. Um, But just to finish that question, here's just some examples, and you can see where you fit in. And I thought, what he said, what do I do? And some examples, if I see whomever I'm working with or connecting to has a, 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 a more overt or obvious part in the unfolding, in, in the awakening process within systems and, and leveling their own individual consciousness to do something in the world. Now, that could be the maintenance man at the high school that's very awake and aware, and then I'm assisting that individual to, to empower them, to, be, to trust themselves and be more awake. So it's not, it's a consciousness thing. I always say this. In the old paradigm, we missed, we, we're still coming out of the glamour realm. You know, remember the Pisces, I love Pisces, got some Pisces in my chart, got Pisces friends. But the collective is, the, you know, that's when the, the, the whole star, the idol, the Hollywood, you know, the, the the basketball or baseball icon the, the you know the the the, per, the it's all based on lower level personality right the ego we, this is like the pop culture we've got the uh, what do you call it the reality show you know oh, I want to be like them or the soap opera so we we've, that's how come Trump got in you know so it's all good it's disruption it's all you know it's all bringing it up it's all part of a plan um, you know there's a divine orchestration here. But the part that believes 
not in what the what the consciousness is, what's behind the curtain. See, we're we're caught up in the visual, you know, and you see it. It's coming at a fever pitch to you know when Pluto goes into Aquarius, then you're going to really see some changes. I I've shared this example with many people. And I know I have on air as well, so I'm not going to dive too deep into it. But when I was living in England, I was doing some healing work. There was this one woman, Anna, who was a housekeeper, and she was so dialed in. She knew I was coming back because she had a burn on her hand, a very bad burn from um, cooking and doing some stuff. And she said every time, because I left and then I came back and I was going to go, I went to school and did some retraining and stuff, took three years off for my modeling and acting and actually my TV shows, well, everything. So she said I knew I could, she could feel me and she said that the, her hand healed, you know, like faster and that when she would think of me, her hand would get kind of pinkish and the pain would go away. And sure enough, I did come back. I didn't think I was going to come back. So, you know, one time talking to her, I looked at her, and she had this, like, little duster thing. I don't know, like some kind of duster for the dust in the corner. And I said, oh, my God, Anna. I said, you are so awake, aware. You are so dialed in, so conscious. And I said, you're, pretend- you're masquerading as a housekeeper, but you <laughs> – I said, you are – you've come back as an avatar, you know. So we can – we got to stop looking at – the surface, you know, and we will, we're moving more out of the glamour, what we call metaphysically the glamour realm, or what's also called the cult of personality. There's actually a metaphysical, it's not just in, you know, sociological terms or contemporary terms, but that this is an age and a stage. So, you know, as we get more connected to the soul, more, more, you know, intuitive, more telepathic, more soul led, or, you know, um, soul connected or soul activated uh, soul fuel that the things are coming more from our soul and less from the wounding or the ego, you know, just the older game. So this person, what do I do? And I said, okay, I re- okay. Remember the Berlin wall? Well, I had clients. This is how long I've been doing this. I had clients like back then. I had no idea that I wasn't even into Paul. I didn't give a hoot about Paul anything. But I remember I had worked with them a few times. It was one of the times I was going back to live um, in Europe, and I was getting ready to leave. They booked a session with me, and they were going back to the family. And I guess they had a fortune or something, and they said they had investments and stuff back there. And they said, should we leave it there or bring it back? And I immediately I saw this wall. I said, isn't there, there's a wall there? And... Um, I said, yes, and I said, it's going to come down. I said, so you, I go, it's going to change everything. So you've got to get your money out. Take all your money, all your, you know, uh, investments and whatever else. They had antiques and coins and this. And I said, get it out. I said, because it's really going to change. And, and I hope I have their letter because it's back in the day before email. I come, I, my, where I lived before, they forwarded my mail, and there was this lovely handwritten note by this couple saying, I that my prediction and my helping them, my insights, my full insight, my channeling, because the damn wall came down. I didn't even know it had come down. I wasn't even paying attention. But the, the wall came down. They would have lost everything because everything was in a disarray. People couldn't get their money out or it wasn't worth as much on one side, you know, because they were trying to level everything. So that would be an example 
or the mother that did the white collar crime working with her, how do you prepare her for jail? You know, and is she going to jail when all these other psychics said she wouldn't? And I saw she would. Um, or helping someone strategize to going to Harvard or, you know, Wharton. Or working with President Bush's, you know, medical doctor, you know, at the medical convention and, you know, them trying to debunk me. But then I got the time, I, got, I had the opportunity to show real healing that it does really work. And to talk about herbs and herbology and 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 being a healer, what does that mean? And you know, where to, you know, let them pick my brain as to where this energy comes from. So it doesn't really matter, but I feel like it's it's people or somebody that's in the financial, this you know, working financially or someone that's working you know politically or in the White House, um, or in the financial realm, you know, or going out there seeding the new consciousness, whether it's through books or speaking or just raising their children, you know, you know, healing to be more conscious and raise their children more consciously. But it's all part of the divine awakening to this individuals working within the system individually and collectively. Um, Denise, those debunkers. Yeah, the guy tried to, the doctor, he sold his card. They wanted me to work with, actually in the government with them. Um, but it, I did not see the, you know, part that part of my path. Uh, yeah, but he made the appointment with me to debunk me. But then when I did the healing and the symptoms that this person had, the, the medical condition, the symptoms went, you know, most of them, all of them, I think, went away and within the session. Um, and then I gave an intuitive read. So, yeah, I didn't even know who he was until um, afterwards when he told me and then gave me his card. And then he had somebody from Washington call me. And they want, they said they, they have Washington, just like, just like you're, you know, when I lived in England, I became privy to this. Every government works with metaphysicians, astrologers, psychics. Uh, people, you know, remote view. I do all of that. So remote viewing. So yeah, I had my time that I could have done that, but I just, you know, didn't really want to be on the payroll with that. Uh, I did talk with them, you know, shared my insights and, you know, but, uh, but yeah, so there's a whole team. It's not, it's not just quote unquote new agers or people individually on a path. But what I can say is that whomever I'm working with is seeding the consciousness. They have that. And so they are integral to the awakening individually and or collectively. They're bringing in that new consciousness. Now, the new emerging consciousness of the new paradigm, you might be doing it in a corporate setting, a corporation. You may be sending out on your own. You know, however it's unfolding, because in the converging flow, it's all systems. It's all systems so it's relationship. Relationship is, is systemizes energy, right? Could be educational, could be environmental, it could be political. Whatever the system is, uh, community. Um, so now I want to just talk, and we're going to get to callers. That number is three four seven five three nine five one two two. I'm spending a little extra time on this because I did have these emails come in. So I thought, okay, now. I am going to be diving in more to this, and probably the first of the year I will I will devote um, a few, because we have guests, I think, booked till January, February, but uh, where I can, I don't know yet my schedule, I will definitely be tuning in individually and collectively to give you guys a head up. 
like I did with 2018. Okay, so I'm just going to touch on and give a brief overview. Now, why do I do this? So you guys don't think you're crazy. (laughs) You know you're not alone with what you're going through, and it not only gives you hope, but gives you the tools. And, of course, there's further tools on my website, free tools, soulplayground.life, or obviously you can book a session with me or get my blog. You know, I give helpful things to do. Because remember, the collective isn't going to change except by the individual. And then as there's, a, you know, Malcolm Gladwell even talks about this, right? We talk about that, you know, when that, that certain level of consensus uh, happens. And it's an energetic thing. There's a lot written on that. The hundredth monkey, there's just, there's just a lot. That's how, this, that's how we, you know, shift. But the individuals have to do it, and we have to be living more of the new, which is kind of scary because a lot's changing. So 2018 has been testing, right? Numerically, it's an 11-2. No, it doesn't. People want to, oh, the master number, all this good. No, we got the two, the two. All about connection to the higher self, connecting to the soul. All about balancing the male and female within. It's all about relationships. And if you could... You can see it internationally in the public stage, nationally and internationally, what's been going on, right? A lot of fighting. It's us and them. It's red and blue. It's with this and that. It's, you know, oil versus solar, da 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 So it's, it's the, the extreme of the polarity is becoming aware. So 2018 says, can you play? Can you play this game? Yeah, Tamara, me too. I'm looking forward to a healthier con- cultural consensus, consensual reality, consensus reality. Yeah. Well, we don't get it except for the, us individuals over here that are slogging doing what we need to do. That's the whole thing that people have to are going to start waking up to. And it's starting politically right now that if we don't do things individually, there is no grand poobah in the sky that snaps their fingers and, and we have the group reality changes. So it's only, it's the individual living that, the choices that we're making individually that are affecting consciousness to say whether something is going to atrophy and eventually get extinct. So continue to ask yourself, 2018 was about rehearsals, right? Can you let go? How many of you have been feeling you're not you know, rowing your own boat or commanding your own ship, that there's a lot that you can't do. You feel blocked at every move, right? So how many of you feel like, okay, my job, my, I can't find a job, my job is, you know, so some of, some of you, the message is you don't just go for a job, you have to create something that is more soul aligned, more soul connecting. So we're trying to go back into the old patterns of manifesting or making it happen, you know, making the money, making get the house, making this, get the guy, get the girl, have the baby. I got it all together. Stick with my family. Make it through. That no, that this, we're 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 opening up to a bigger game. So the testing has been get ready. This year has been about get ready to feel yourself floating in midair. You even had aspects to Neptune, which in 2019, those aspects come back and even stronger. You know, we had this grand trine, water trine, uh, aspecting Neptune. So things have been a bit right feeling in between worlds. You don't really want to play the old earth game. It's like, hey, I'd rather have my cappuccino and talk to my spirit buddy. You know, I'd rather paint all day, you know. 
but that's the soul saying. <laughs> Denise is putting in the chat, get your kite on. Yeah. So it's going to be don't check out, you know, with that Neptune, and especially right now Mars is in Neptune. It's like don't check out into the over, over, you know, fantasy, over drinking, over, over whatever, over disappearing, over getting in relationships or getting caught up in romance. We're to play in all of that, but to, to disappear into it or, or to, um, you know, go unconscious through it. That's the key. How do we handle, how do we open to that Neptunian energy um, as well as the lightning bolt energy of Uranus that's coming into our body through Taurus, the, the, that energy wave of Taurus, and coming is Earth. It's the galactic energy, you know, it's, it's the great awakener. And what are we awakening to? So 2018, if you didn't believe in spirit or things being out of your hands or out of control, 2018 has made a lot of people aware of patterns, ancestral patterning, um, you know, generational transmission, uh, you know, cultural envi- patterns, w- environmental, weather patterns. We are a pattern. We are fractals. We are pa- a pattern, right? Whether you want to look at it, you know, through numbers, sounds, and tones. So people are waking up to this and going, whoa, we do have these patterns that have to change. These laws have to change. Um, but once you wake up that you know that your pattern, you can change your pattern. We're not the pattern. The ultimate consciousness is not the pattern. We, we, are, we are beyond, we are a wavelength, but the wavelength changes pattern, right? If you ever look, Dr. Emoto showed this, by our intention, by our thought, or, you know, I can take a straw, and if I have a little pool of, you know, water, it looks a certain way. Let's say I, I, I spill a little cup of water pour a little water out. But when I blow that conscious blow on that water, it moves and it changes shape and form. So that's the realm we have to play in. 2019 is going to be, you've been picked for the team. You're going to have to let go. 2020 is let going of the reins. Okay, big time. There's big transformation in 2020, especially with between 2019 when we have uh, the end of the year, uh, the, the, the Jupiter, Saturn, and Pluto um, in Capricorn. So we have that stellium that's really going to be grounding the new energetic frequency. So between 2020 and 2025, you've been huge changes. And then again in 2030 and then 2040 to 45. But gear up. This is what I'm just sharing. So in 2019, you're going to be noticing, hey, I'm not controlling so much here. I better tune in. I better have faith or I better learn about, you know, telepathy, psychic ability. I better, you know, what's the universal flow? What's the, you know, one, I better start learning because the old is absolutely not working and trying to do the same old, same old isn't working. So 2019, there's going to be a lot of options for all of you. There's going to be a lot of openings, door openings. But you're going to have to use your, your gut knowing, your intuition, you know, the follow the heart, connect to the soul, all of that. You're going to have to use, is this bringing, you know, if more life enhancement or am I just taking this from something that seems to be safe? Is this quelling a fear? Because if it's just quelling a fear, then it's going to be old paradigm. So next year there's going to be a lot of risk taking. But 2018 has been a rehearsal. 
for what you're going to be experiencing next year. So next, this year has been, you know, I don't know why because I'm not that big into sports. <laughs> I wasn't when I was growing up a lot, but um, I like playing them, but watching. But it reminds me of, what is it, the baseball farm. They go and they, you know, they, they practice, right? And then they're going to get picked. So this was the practice year. Now next year you're getting picked for the game. What have you been dreaming about? What have you been wanting? What has your secret desires been? You're going to be put in situations, and some of you it's going to be by loss, by loss of money, loss of relationship, loss of home, loss of house, you know, house loss of environment, loss of, you know, maybe, maybe your whole, um, there's changes in the whole uh, area of where you work or the plant gets shut down, and you're going to be like, okay, now you're forced to update. Now you're forced to innovate. You know, you're forced to invent. So we're all getting this reinvention, we're re, you know, innovating ourselves, inventing ourselves, reinventing ourselves, because the old game is played out. But, you know, it's hard for the ego because we're not yet formatted. I can tell you 5,000% that it's going to get easier I mean, it's going to get a little bit harder before it gets easier. But, uh, but the, the species, the, what we're co-creating, what we're all creating, isn't going to have this, you know, it, it, there's going to be now within the system a way of helping every, you know, when you're growing up, helping you along. So the consciousness, the conscious parenting is going to be in the system. That's what we're all doing here. We, we want it in the system. It's not good enough for us on the fringe to be living this way or helping this way. And then it's all undone when you go to work or you go to school. We've got a lot of wounding. You know, we've been really based on separation of of the sin, which is the feeling separate. Sin means without or to separate, right? So feeling that separation from source manifests feeling separate from love, from a boyfriend, a girlfriend, a husband. You know, it's the extreme of the other, the fear of the other because I'm separate, I'm different. So... All of us are in this. And so you want to ask yourself, what have I been testing? What have I been tested for? And how can you rely on your spiritual principles, that which you can't see but you can feel, and then you begin to somehow see it. But you can't go back to the old. And now, again, next year you're picked for the team. you got to go. You know, you you got to practice now. Now you're picked for the team. You're going to have to practice they, look at the chariot, you know, in the tarot. That gives a good example because there's no reins. And there's usually in front of it, there's a, there's a white, you know, what is it, a cupid? There's a white dog or sphinx and a, and a black one. So it's, it's, the, it's the balance. But the reins of the ego are from the higher self. So we're all getting ready. It's the big spaceship coming up over all of us, the light ship to have the ultimate soul alignment. And I'm going to say it's going to be <laughs> 2020 where we are subsumed. The personality, the ego gets subsumed into the soul. And we start now really acting and reacting and responding as soul beings without identity, without identity. Now, they don't know. You're still seeing, you're still a mother, you're still a father, but you don't identify with that. You don't limit your life by your identity and therefore create beliefs around that identity. So when that identity changes, you freak out, <laughs> right? When the kids go away, you know, to the camp, you freak out. What's mom or dad going to do? Oh, my God, the kids are gone. 
All your identity is wrapped up in your kids and your family. That's a small game because you're, the individual you isn't there. So as we get into, tw- I think it's 2023 when Pluto goes into Aquarius, it's time to wake up as individual aspects of the all that is because in this old paradigm, people get paired up and you forget that you're an individual. You have, your, you have a responsibility as an individual being to live out your soul's promise, your soul's gift, not just as a mother, not just as a wife or a husband or a father. That's very limiting to the soul. You're much more than that, you know, just showing up that way. So, and you're not just a, you know, TV host or a radio host or a healer or a psychic. It's, as soon as you start limiting your life and, and living out these by the identity, so the, the mastery of the self, the little self, is ultimately letting go of the identity, of the preoccupation. We've done it with labels. Now it's coming into identity. That, that happened from the 1990s into 2000, you know, people didn't want to be labeled anymore, right? First it was labels. Give me the labels, CTH, PhD, MS, MSB, you know, I'm a this, I'm a that, right? Get those labels, get those titles. So we let go of that. Now it's the identity because when I show up as an identity, I'm not really connecting fully with someone, right? But it's good to have all that. It's, but it's going to be more things that you do or you enjoy, things that you, ways that you express. This way you can do multiple things. It reminds me of a conversation a while back um, where I was doing a talk somewhere in a workshop. I can't remember where it was in person. And uh, it might have been at Agape Spiritual Center. And someone said, you know, well, there's all these healers now. There's all these massage therapists. Everybody, everybody, you know, there's all these entrepreneurs. Well, yeah, we are in the age of the entrepreneur. And they, and they were saying, what are we going to do? There's not going to be enough. You know, and I said, yeah, it's like pieces of the, because I said it's like pieces of the pie. And they said, but there's too many slices now in the pie. So there's just, we're not going to be able to make enough money or, you know, live well. And I said, you make more pies. You make more pies. Who says that? Who says you can only have three pies? You make more pies. You make your own pie and you share it with others, right? So maybe one pie you have a a smaller piece and another pie you have a larger piece. I want to leave you all with that. How can you join in and make more pies? You know, the universe is infinite. It It is abundant, Consciousness is infinite. We're consciousness made manifest. The forms may be limited. The forms of consciousness may be limited or atrophy or die off or expire or get extinct. But consciousness never does. It's ahead. It's ahead. Consciousness is infinite. All right. So I hope that helps. I hope that gives some insight. Hello, you're on Awakenings. Welcome to the program. Hello. Hello, Hello. Oh, James! Can you hear me? Oh. <laughs> you inspired that lo- long download rant, which, you know, now I'm going to have to, oh. t- some people aren't going to get their readings, but I'll have to do it next week. Anyway, hey, welcome. Welcome to the oh. program. Oh, g'day. Um, always engaging, fascinating, and when you, these, what you talk about, it's just like, there's not, there's not just one point, there's a dozen points, and I find myself catching on one, and you've moved on to the next one, and um, just fascinating. Um, and I almost feel like I don't need. I shouldn't be asking this question. No question. 
Um, and it's all about this. It's about this that not risk taking. It is about risk taking. It's really yeah. Uh, yeah, I almost feel like I don't want to add. I, I will ask it now that I'm here. So the owner of the firm that I work at has put an offer on the table for me to buy the firm. And and yeah. this will probably come out, play out in 2019. And I was just going to get, I just wanted to ask you about your feel about that whole thing, whole transaction. Okay, let me ask you, because it goes in with my talk, that you're, you've, now you've been picked to play. Does this yeah. fit in with what you want to do? This is what I mean, guy. I thank you, James, for calling with your question. This is exactly what I mean. Some of our secret dreams are little, you know, it's like you're singing karaoke, you know, in the next in the room, or you're, you know, singing with your hairbrush, you know, or dancing in the living room. <laughs> you get those, right? Those kinds of dreams, whatever. Or I'd like to be the CEO of this, or have this or that, or this company. Those dreams that are more soul aligned, you're going to be getting the opportunity to do that. But it is risk. It's going to cause. It's going to take a lot of work, you know, for everyone. You know, effort because that's that's the you know the earth plane. It's about you know persistent effort. It's um doesn't have to be struggle, but that's part of the game. But it can. It, I, what I can say, there can be more flow when we're aligned. So what I feel for you that this is something that you have wanted to do, right? Yep, uh, it's been a, almost a twenty-year plan. Mm, okay, but you're worried you're getting yourself now. See, this is going to be the interesting thing, James, and you're bringing this up with the little taste of the Neptune energy that we've all had. Some of us are going to be, or many of us are going to be, rethinking our dreams because, and especially with the Jupiter uh, in Sagittarius, and then when Jupiter goes into Capricorn. We want more breathing room or more expansion. So I would say that for you, James, is you've got to look. Part of what I feel you're asking yourself, you don't know if you want to get saddled to this. It's a big ask. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I I feel you need to go within it a bit, and I feel like if you can do it in a way that you're not totally saddled to it, because that's the other thing. A lot of what's happening for many of us is our old dreams or desires are being um, – that's why we've been blocked by spirit until our higher self, guardian angels, angel, spirit, whatever. We've been blocked to not get in something that is reflective of our own our old, old paradigm and our wounded consciousness. So a lot of people are wanting things that are more freed up. I don't know. With you. I feel like if you can do this in a way that you're not totally saddled to it, because I almost feel like you want to do more consulting or traveling, or you could take what you do and apply it to multiple companies. So this could be an older dream. So if you can update it, if you can up-level or update the dream or do it in a way that it's not all on you, then it seems like it's going to be soul-serving. It's going to serve your soul. And that, yep. Does that make sense? Um, oh, it, it does, and, and that, I, I agree. That's something I'm, I'm, I'm going to take it away and, as you, and yeah, fill, it, fill it out, actually. Um, Good. Um, okay. Yeah, it's, uh, anyway, yes, it's one of those sort of deep – Yeah, do it in a way that fits into where you are now. Do it in a way – but I feel like – 
is it possible not to make any definitive decision until, oh, my God, either middle to end of January? Oh, look, absolutely. I'm pushing it out to next year. Um, this, this isn't something oh, I'm going good, to... Oh, good, good, uh, good, good. I would yep. say that with a lot of people. Anywhere from January to February would be the... For many of you, it's going to be from January, end of January, um, I think around the 21st when we have that eclipse. I think we have one on the 6th, but it's the, it's the latter one to about March. There's going to be a lot revealed of how to work, especially how to work differently. You know, some of you is going to be do relationship differently. But the risk, because a lot of you, it's been pedal to the metal. Your back is up against the wall. And so by the time, you know, and you've been living on the fumes and you've made things happen, by the time the end of January to March comes along, you know, you're, all, you're, you're going to be Einstein thinking, you know, Steve Jobsing it. You know, people are going to be like – I'm going for it. I'm, I'm inventing this. I'm, I'm a creator. Uh, you thought you had me down, but I'm back and I'm coming around. So I, I would say don't, you know, it, however people can hold on or delay the, the uh, especially because we were in a Mercury retrograde, if you can delay, mm. you're going to be more in the soul alignment and the, the, the ahas and the way to make things happen is going to be much more there. Yeah, no, that's a good debate. Good. Cool. Thank you very much for that. Um, have a yeah, day. you're welcome, and thank you for the the question. I mean, I I kind of looked at it. I'm going to do more meditation on it about where am I fitting in or what am I doing. It kind of fits in with oh. some things that I've been looking at individually. Yeah. So thank you. Yeah. yeah I, I read Sorry, your email this morning. Yeah. Yeah. I say, but when I, my thinking at that time that 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 sort of idea was. Most of us are standing on the beach looking at this horizon, but I've got this idea that you're sort of above the beach and you're looking at a big 360, and I was just fascinated on, um, you know, so, you know, um, yeah, you're, you've got much more going on than damage to Yeah, I am, and it is, it's, a t- it's really a time of new technology. It's, it's a lot that has to do intuitively uh, you know, with with the you know the gifts. So a lot of there's a lot of old paradigm information or technology or books, and that's fine because we're still bridging. But a lot yeah. of that is going to be not only a moot, a moot point. It's going to be, you know, like do you still want to use a typewriter, or would yeah. you like to have yep. a smartphone? I mean, it could be fun to type on a typewriter. I get it. But when you send your stuff to a publisher, it's by email. So then you're going to have to scan what you type on the typewriter, you know, or copy it, scan it, and email it. So, yeah, so we're in the precipice of huge, huge um, outward change that's been happening a long time in consciousness and underneath the scene. So I'm kind of been on the sidelines for that opening. I've been doing some kind of more behind the scenes on that. So, um you know, and yeah. I think the best way is to get the individual technology, and this is what my guide said. You know, the spiritual hierarchy and the oversouls is through the is is through media, and and that is the age of Aquarius. It's Aquarius rules. Um, you know, the internet or internet, computers, digital. You know, so that is that is the way, and and short bits to connect with people. You know. Um, Podcasting. Yeah. 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 Nice. Nice. All right, James. Thank you. 
Thank you. For calling in. Okay. And thanks for the email. Yeah, okay. Bye. Pleasure. Bye. Much peace. Bye. Okay, I'm trying to see if our guest is on the line. Oh, is it a personal number? One one one. Okay, I don't know if this. That's the thing when we have personal numbers. Let me see if I can squeeze in. Oh, is that it? Fourteen three eight two. Okay, so it is time for our awakening dialogue. If I did not, now I had to spend extra time because I did have all these emails that came in with these questions. But if I didn't get to your reading or your question, I'm here next week, Wednesday at 12 p.m. Pacific time, and I promise you I will uh, get to your questions and comments because I know there's a lot of, um, but I have a feeling a lot of your questions are going to get answered as well through the talk and uh, through the awakening dialogue uh, that we have with our guest that's on air, uh, Mark Gober. Uh, who is the author of An Into Upside-Down Thinking, Dispelling the Myth that the Brain Produces Consciousness and the Implications for Everyday um, Living. Uh, he comes uh, with a background that has done a lot of research into this, comes from a background of working in Silicon Valley. Um, I want to really dive into this. I think he has a lot to share. And if you want to, go to his website. It's Mark. Gober.com. Hello, Mark. Welcome to the program. Hi. Thanks so much for having me. Hey, you're welcome. Great to have you on air um, today. I took a peek at what you're uh, sharing about and um, so in alignment. So uh, first of all, you, um, you are you still your partner in a Silicon Valley investment firm? Yeah, yeah. My background, my background's really in business, and um, and the the consciousness research has been on the side mm-hmm. as a personal passion, and I just think it's really important. Ah. It was about two years. Yeah, so it's 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 pretty unrelated. So I've been I've been with my current firm Sherpa for over eight years, where I'm a partner now in Silicon Valley. And prior to that, I worked in mm-hmm. investment banking with UBS in New York during the financial crisis. Um, so that was an interesting okay. time to be there. And um, prior to that, I, I was a student at, yeah, yeah. I mean, it was, I didn't sleep much and I wasn't thinking about consciousness. Let's put it that way. I did not have time to do anything right. other than work. Um, and uh, pr- prior to that, I, I was a student at Princeton where I was captain of the tennis team. But when I was there, I, I thought about majoring in astrophysics because I wanted to understand the universe and who and what we are and what are we doing here. But I didn't have time because of tennis, so I just decided to study other things. So I think the interests have always been there, probably, just existential questions. And it was about two years ago that that I really got into the topic of consciousness specifically because prior to that, I was – a very conventional thinker. I thought in terms of the way I was, mm. I was taught science works. So it was a big shift for me about two years ago when I actually was listening to podcasts that first exposed me to this general material. And as I listened to more podcasts and started to do research myself, it resulted in a major worldview shift for me. And that led me to research even more. And then I ended up writing the book that was recently published. Mm. Now, see, you, I don't know if you, top of the program I talked about this because um, the clients I work with right away that are either in politics, you know, or inventors in, in Silicon Valley, you know, inventing chips and whatever and phones and da-da-da-da. But 
we need people that are in other systems or other groups that are having awakening and filtering this energy in just by their consciousness, just by being there. You know, you're showing up in a, in a differently, in a certain way. So um, I love how it always, you know, the guests, what, what they're bringing always dovetails with, <laughs> with the beginning of the program. <laughs> now, okay, Mark, with that said, what was your awakening then or your first awakening? Because you said it's, it sounds like at one point this really wasn't on your radar and then it started coming on your radar, but you could yet put it to the side and focus on tennis. And then it sounds like it became more, um, you know, important to you. Could you share a bit about how that process happened for you? Yeah. So I think the general questions about existence have always been there. I've always wondered, like, mm, what am I doing here? Okay. Does life matter? Really just fundamental questions. And does life matter? And if it does matter, then how should I act in the world? If it doesn't matter and the universe is random and we're just biological robots, basically, then does anything matter? And so I would ask myself those mm-hmm. questions. And where I, came, where I came out based on the science that I had been exposed to is that life is totally meaningless and that we are, are, are the product of random evolution and that we are conscious because of chemical activity in our brains. And once our brain dies, mm-hmm. then our consciousness, our memories, our feelings, emotions, they are wiped out. So the conclusion that I came to was that life has no meaning because no matter what happens during one's life, once the person dies, the consciousness is gone. And therefore coming up with meaning in life is nothing more than a rationalization. Mm-hmm. Mhm. Wow. So, yeah. So, big go shift. ahead. Go ahead. Your big shift. Yeah. Mhm. So then where did that So that was so first of all, so you have this um, you know, inquiring mind to begin with. You said always. Like as a, as a child as well. Yes. I think as a child as well, but probably as I got older and older and asked questions about meaning and happiness and um, I would achieve a lot of goals, and then I would kind of go back to my baseline level of happiness before achieving the goal. And there's actually a term I refer to in my book called the hedonic treadmill. When we are striving mm. for things outside of ourselves, we achieve it and maybe have a temporary happiness, but it doesn't lead to a lasting peace and happiness. So I think I've had just big questions about, like, about psychology, and it all ultimately mm-hmm. relates to our picture of reality and who and what we are. That's the base of every question we ask comes down to our assumptions in those areas. Mm-hmm. So what was the turning point for you, which I would call the awakening or, you know, there's many awakenings that got you to do more of this research into consciousness. And it's, in fact, as you say in your book title, dispelling the myth, um, you know, that the brain, because I think, what is that, Newtonian? I mean, that's been around for, I mean, it's changing now, but forever it was, if the brain is dead, the person's dead, you know. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's like you said, it, it's gone, you know, even in hospitals. Now they're starting to say, I think they hear you. I think, yeah, it's not just a, you know, motor response. They are actually responding, you know, to something they know. For you, what was that moment or time frame when, you started saying there is something more here or there is something different. Your mindset started changing. It started in August of 2016 and it wasn't something that was intentional and it wasn't through a personal Mm. mystical experience where 
You know, it wasn't from a near-death experience or a mystical experience in meditation. It was very much, uh, it was more of an intellectual awakening. I'd put it that way. Mm-hmm. And it start, so it started with a podcast, a single podcast. I was listening to a health show, and there happened to be a woman on who talked about psychic abilities and her ability to communicate with the deceased and non-physical entities and working with energies. These were not things I'd ever heard anyone actually talk about before. Uh, so I remembered thinking mm-hmm. that thing was kind of interesting. Um, and it led me to then listen to more podcasts on the same topic because I drive, I live in San Francisco and I drive down the 101 to our office and that can be a long drive sometimes. I was listening to different podcasts, started listening to more podcasts in this realm just out for entertainment. It didn't shift my worldview initially, but after a few weeks right. of here, uh, it was it was kind of an accumulation where I heard more and more people independently describe similar accounts of reality and all sorts of mystical things that again I had never really heard of. So it led me to say, wait, I remember it, it was maybe September of 2016, maybe a few weeks into my exploration, which at first, again, was very casual. I, I realized, wait a second, these people are all speaking very seriously. They're not, it's, it's not like, they're, they, it doesn't sound like they're making it up. So unless there's some kind of delusion happening or uh, something else I don't understand, maybe there's some truth to what they're saying. So I then decided to research even further, and I looked at, scientific evidence. And that's when I started to get really interested. And most of my book is about that evidence. I would say in parallel, I also worked with a number of psychics and energy workers who were able to do things that I couldn't explain and which aligned with Mm -hmm. a lot of the research that I was doing. So when I put it all together over the course of a few months where it was, it was like a extremely jarring and disorienting realization to say, wait a second, my old worldview, which said that I am only conscious because of my brain and life has no meaning. Wait a second. What if that's wrong? What if the brain is actually acting Mm. like an antenna receiver or like a filtering mechanism and the consciousness itself is not a product of the body? That totally rocked me. Wow. Yep. That's the truth. (laughs) I love it, Mark. So, um, now, did you, when you had this awakening, or I would say an aha moment, or epiphany, really, um, what brought you to that? Was it partly what other people were experiencing, and then you queried it more, and, you, and because you were seeing the thread, there was a commonality there? Yes, exactly. There was a commonality, and it, it got to the point where there were so many accounts that I couldn't mm-hmm. reconcile what I used to think with all of this new evidence, and I, they just didn't align. And it caused me to investigate. And I realized pretty quickly the implications of, of, wait, what if any of this is real? That would cause a major shift in worldview for me personally. But then even beyond that, mm. what does it mean for the society where most of the people that I know don't talk about these things and most of our world is not yeah. operating under this paradigm? What does it mean about how our society, where our society is going versus the actual reality that we're living in? Could we be that far off as a society? So it really took me some time to come to grips to all this. Mm-hmm. And what is your conclusion with where we're at and where, you know, let's say a, a, a mini collective worldview, because there are people living this way and where we are as a society. My conclusion, I think is, is summarized well by the title of my book, which is called an end to upside down thinking. I think that most oh, of society okay. or at least society yeah that I've been exposed to is thinking about world and reality and existence upside down. 
very similar to the way that we used to think the Earth is flat and similar to the way that we used mm -hmm. to think that the Earth is at the center of the solar system until we learned that, no, we revolve around the sun. I think we're at the next iteration of a scientific and existential revolution. Mm -hmm. So that's the, yeah, the, the end to, well, because I got to tell you, it's, it's, it, it may not be large in numbers, but I was even talking about this at the beginning of the program. I mean, the clients that I have in your field, in venture capitalist world, banking world, po politicians, uh, FBI agent I work with, you know, medical doctor that was on the board of the, worked with Bush, you know, uh, it, but they're closeted. <laughs> they're closeted and yeah. they don't want to necessarily talk and say, so it's, so what's the answer? That, I mean, it's, they're there because people are like, oh, they, you know, I can't tell you how many people, oh, that person was never, or those kind of people. And I'm like, well, no, actually I have quite a few clients that do that or, you know. So what's the answer? Because you, you're saying the end, so we're on this precipice of this shift, which I agree. But what is any idea is what brings the cohesiveness or coming out of the closet, I guess, is the way to say it. You know? Well, one of the reasons I decided to write this book is, is for exactly what you just mentioned, which is that there is a taboo in, in contemporary society, especially in mainstream circles, mm -hmm. like in the business world, for example, where these ideas are just out there. And they're not part mm -hmm. of the conventional way of thinking. And I think a, a reason for that is that many times the experiences are ephemeral and difficult to capture uh, empirically. Okay. However, what I didn't realize is that there's a ton of scientific evidence from the U.S. government, from Princeton University, from the University mm -hmm. of Virginia, and many other places where if one is, I think, intellectually honest to look at this accumulation of evidence, it points in a very different direction where the things that might be considered out there are actually aligned with the reality that we're in. And I thought it was important then to put all that information in one place in a book so that if someone has these thoughts or maybe they've had a personal experience, this gives them something to point to to say, look, there's a whole body of evidence. And that my, my book is mm. just a science. Here, point to this book, and it's, I'm not so crazy. So I'm really hoping it has that effect on people where they can then open up more, and I hope that will enable people, and especially scientists, to open up to exploring these yeah. things even further so we get to the point where it's, it's, it's not out there and it's more mainstream. Mm -hmm. Oh, I love that. Because, you know, as you know, government, I mean, they use this. They, they may say, you know, wacko, whatever, but they do use, um, you know, psychic healers, whatever, you know, that, that whole kind of the, the woo-woo, the, I call it the practical woo-woo. Um, I like the idea, you must, you're a bridger. So you're bringing, because you're, and what we need to create the new paradigm is the, the bridgers, you know, because they're not going to listen to somebody that just only lives in that world. They want to see the science or somebody that looks like, oh, well, he looks non-crazy and has a good job. And, you know, he's talking about this stuff or wrote a book about it, you know. Right, right. Um, I think it's, you know, right. It's kind of, I think we're in that time of bridging in a lot of different ways, um, you know, culturally, on a societal level, politically, um, and definitely with this. And I, and my thought too, I can get your take on this, is perhaps with that shift in uh, reality or understanding, there will be less divide perhaps, and, and perhaps more peace. I mean, you mentioned 
when you were thinking about the meaning of peace or happiness, meaning uh, purpose, happiness, you know, kind of meaning of life, maybe this is part of the cohesiveness that does helps people have that peace within. And so then there will be less divide. I know your thoughts on that. Yes, I completely agree. And it's, it's one of the conclusions I talk about at the very end of the book when I get to implications. Most of the book is the science mm. and talks about the implications, which the implications are probably the most important part, but I know how I used to think, and I know how a conventional thinker mm. would think. And if you just start with the implications, it, they won't make any sense. Mm-hmm. But when you build okay. with the science, then all of a sudden I think it opens up to exactly what you talked about. What does this mean for cohesiveness and peace and happiness? I think the biggest implication of all of this is the notion that not only is consciousness not produced by the brain, that consciousness is, is the basis of reality. And as such, we are connected as part of this underlying consciousness, and we are not as separate as we appear to be. Yeah. You're right, Mark. Good idea not to lead with that. <laughs> yeah. Good to, good to lead with the science. Um, now, you yeah. talk about uh, in your book, if you can touch on this, and I love the term that you say, wizard-like gifts, um, materialism, that, that what we've had has been based on materialism. Can you touch on that and what you see in that shift and what would be after that? What would be after the concept of materialism? So materialism is when I, I, I refer to the conventional way of thinking many times, and materialism is just a fancy term for that. And it says the following. Again, this is something I subscribe to probably unknowingly, and it's what our science and our education system is teaching, whether people implicitly, whether they recognize it or not, it's kind of the underlying force. It says the following. 13.8 billion years ago, there was an event that started the universe. It's often called a Big Bang, and it filled the universe with physical matter or material, hence the name materialism. So we have this universe Mm. made of matter, and with enough pieces of matter in this big universe, we're bound to end up with reactions or interactions between those pieces of matter. We call that chemistry. So we started with matter. Now we have chemistry, interactions mm. of matter. When you have enough random chemical reactions in a big universe, chance tells us that we will end up with a molecule, a configuration of matter, that wow. can replicate itself like DNA. Okay, so now... DNA leads to biology. So we started with matter, then we get to chemistry, now biology. Biology is like a human being, which develops a brain, and then consciousness comes out of the brain. That's materialism. Matter creates consciousness through a brain. Wow. I remember that from school. (laughs) It's silly, right? Right. It's what we're taught. And I mentioned what the implications are of that. It means when when the biology is not functional anymore, then the consciousness must be gone because the consciousness came from the body in the first place. That is the current Mm -hmm. paradigm. And I am proposing that that thinking is upside down. So instead of saying that consciousness Mm. comes at the very end, instead of saying that the reason that you and I are both aware at this very moment and all of your listeners are aware, we all have a consciousness. The question is, is it a product of our biology or is the consciousness itself more fundamental than matter? So my picture of the world is now consciousness doesn't come at the end. Rather, it comes at the very beginning of that whole chain. That con- Wait, say that again, that consciousness. 
So instead of saying that matter creates consciousness through a brain, which is the conventional picture known as materialism, what I am arguing and a number of others contend this as well is that consciousness is primary. Consciousness does not come at the end of the picture. It becomes at the very beginning. Beginning. Everything stands for consciousness. Yes. Yes. And that's why metaphysically we say comes from consciousness. Got it. You got it. The the material world is an experience within consciousness rather than there is an, an independent physical reality that we emerged within. It's, it's a total reversal of conventional thinking. Yeah. Consciousness is the basis yeah. of reality rather than the material world creating consciousness. Wow. Yes. Oh my God. If that would get out into the mainstream, Ugh, how freeing. Yeah. Cause metaphysically, I'm working on it. <laughs> we say we're, I know Mark, we need you. Cause we say we're consciousness made manifest. This brings me to, and it is such a um, pet peeve of mine, which I, your book will totally dispel this, the fear of AI and singularity, okay, mm-hmm. <laughs> is yeah. um, taps into this, right? I mean, that all of a sudden we're going to become machines or everything's going to amalgamate, which to- totally, leave, that's the, that is the upside-down thinking. That is coming from what you're you know, espousing as ending because there's no place for consciousness in there. I, can you touch on that a bit? We had a question in the chat around, about that, about AI. Um, but that is yeah, like you, a big, you, you know, I know it sounds kind of silly, but there's a lot of people that are fearing that right now. It's a great point. I, I mention it in my book when I talk about implications, and I actually recently wrote an article in Thrive Global which is Ariana Huffington's oh, okay. new media outlet, all just on AI. So I'll, I'll, I'll give you my perspective okay. on it, which is that let's go back to this materialist perspective, that consciousness emerges from a configuration of matter. And that's what AI is. AI is a configuration of matter. And what many people are saying is, well, once the AI becomes complex enough, when it reaches a certain mm-hmm. level of complexity, consciousness will somehow emerge from the machine. In other words, it will become aware and sentient and have feelings, and then it could take over the world. That's, mm-hmm. the, that's the fear. Um, there's yeah. a show called Westworld, and that's what my article focuses on to start, which I've is, seen is, it. It has yeah. that premise. Yeah. So if you have right. machines, all right. of a sudden they become complex enough, they have memories, then they start to take over, and it be, it's like an apocalypse, apocalyptic scenario. Now, is that, is that real? What, what's not addressed often enough is, is it even possible for a machine to become conscious? It stems back to what's known as the hard problem of consciousness and in mainstream circles. Science Magazine has called it the number two question that remains in all of science, which is how is it that, mm. that biology even creates consciousness in the first place? That question is overlooked in the AI question, at least mm. what I've seen. What I would argue mm-hmm. is that, I think this is where you're heading, is that AI, that, that new consciousness is not going to come out of a material machine. Because that's not where consciousness mm-hmm. comes from in the first place. So exactly. our debates about AI, I think AI could be dangerous in that a human being could program a computer machine yes. to do things that are, are bad. But the machine mm-hmm. itself is just running based on programs. It will not be conscious on its own. And that is, I think, where the misunderstanding lies. And I should mention that recently a, a very prominent physicist, Federico Fagin, who actually is one of the inventors of the microprocessor, so a very credible person in computing. He is saying the same thing Mm -hmm. publicly. 
that oh good we're 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 thinking about AI the wrong way because we are assuming that consciousness will just come out of this machine when instead we're misunderstanding that consciousness is fundamental to anything physical. Yes, yes, and the fact that seeing that it comes out of a machine is limiting the consciousness then. Right, because by the time we create something, it's already limited. Like the computer, no matter how many times we reprogram it, or I reprog or I program a bot to, you know, maybe I take two years to program a bot that's like a mini Michelle. I'll meditate with you. I'll do this and that. It's still not open to the prana, the live download that I'm going to get, um, that or that I maybe got in in you know 18 months. You know, and I'm already changed. I'm already receiving something, you know, uh, either a, a new ideation of something or I'm innovating something or I'm inventing something. Now, how receptive are, would you say, people in your field, in the technology field, to talking about the idea of consciousness in the way that you're stating? In other words, that it's, the machine is not going to be able to, you know, open up and replicate, you know, and download the consciousness. It has to be programmed. So you're right. Mm-hmm. The, the, the bad person or, you know, person that, that, you know, that has ill intent could program something. But it seems to me the whole consciousness aspect is missed, which is why your book, you know, another reason why your book is so important, is that is it, is it on the old model? Is that why it's missed or it's just not talked about? I think there is an underlying assumption in much of society, at least the way I was raised educationally, academically, which is that consciousness comes from like our brain is a computer. And once, and the reason that we are conscious is because of the computational ability of our brain. The reason I'm conscious right now is only because of chemicals in my head. It's such a deep assumption Mm -hmm. that people, I don't even think talk about it. It's like, it's just assumed Mm -hmm. that, Oh yeah, I'm conscious Mm -hmm. right now. And I'm conscious because of stuff that's happening in my body. That's the only reason I'm aware. Mm-hmm. And that is it's such a deeply rooted assumption, which to me is kind of like the, the crux. It's like the, the, the critical point that if we eliminated that belief system, which I think has many faults and flaws, then it opens up a whole line, new line of inquiry and beliefs yeah. about existence. So that's why I decided to focus on the brain consciousness interface to say, wait a second, everyone, let's acknowledge that there's an assumption here about consciousness that you may not even know you have. I didn't know I had it. It was so deeply rooted. And number two, let's look mm-hmm. at all of the questions that science has, even in the mainstream, about this issue. The mainstream cannot explain consciousness. It's one of the big problems. And if we look at all this evidence that I compile in the book on psychic phenomena like telepathy, like remote viewing, psychokinesis, and other things like when consciousness is existing independently of a body, like a near-death experience mm-hmm. or mediumship or children who have previous lives or memories of previous lives, when you put all this together, it is not, it's, it's challenging this assumption that we have about consciousness, that maybe the reason we haven't figured out how a brain could produce consciousness is that the brain doesn't produce it in the first place. Right. This kind of like goes between the, the difference between the brain and the mind, you know, and the higher, I call it Einstein thinking, the higher mind or, you know, high, really high right brain or left brain, um, you know, thinking. It yeah. begins to discern. Yeah. I, I find it, um, you know, pretty pertinent that you're doing this in conjunction, you know, now 
with the brain science because there's so much opening up about the brain. And at least a lot of scientists are saying, hmm, we may not know all. You know, there's a little bit of, um, I think, mobility or fluidity or there's a little bit of an opening right now where I feel like years previously it was very closed. So perhaps people, you know, in these respective fields are more open to hearing something different, I guess, you know, and other hypotheses. I would certainly hope so. But I, I think there is kind of a fixation right now in, in modern culture, a fixation on the brain and understanding how the brain works. And I think it's important, mm-hmm. but perhaps we're overemphasizing the brain by, view, by viewing it mm-hmm. as the creator of, of that which we experience rather than viewing it as the receiver. So I think, it, I think the brain is important and it needs to be studied, but it needs to be recontextualized. And at least in the neuroscience yeah. that I'm seeing from, from many of the, the conventional thinkers, they're still trying to view consciousness as a byproduct or the term they use as an epiphenomenon mm. of brain activity. So it's like looking at the problem mm-hmm. in, in a, from a, a lens that I don't think is going to get to a solution. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and as you say that, I feel like your voice, the way that you outlined the book and that you, you tie that in, you're giving, I feel like there's an opening there where perhaps there wouldn't have been, you know, even, you know, five years ago. Um, yeah, so it's, I don't know, timely. I get a good, good feeling about it. <laughs> Um, let's talk, let's talk about I love this the phrase wizard like gifts. Um, mm-hmm. You feel we're opening up more to these wizard like gifts. Are they getting stronger, or do you feel people are just are going to be finding out more about these wizard like gifts? The two of the big consequences that I talk about are implications of, of viewing the brain in this way. If we just say the brain's like an antenna, and it's not an exact metaphor, but I think it's helpful, to say that consciousness is mm-hmm. not localized to the body and the brain is like the vehicle for the receiver almost. So if we view it that way, there are two big categories of implications. One is that we are all psychic because our brain is picking up information, picking up consciousness from elsewhere. Okay? Number two is that when our brain dies, the consciousness doesn't die because the consciousness wasn't produced by the brain in the first place. It's like a television set that's receiving a signal. If you break the TV set, the signal itself has not been touched. And that would be like when the body dies, the consciousness, i.e. the signal hasn't died. Going back Mm. to wisdom like abilities. Did that make sense? Yes. Yes. Okay. Yes, it does. Now, if you can touch on, because I, the wizard-like abilities, yeah. So we're getting more of that. Well, the way I wanted to go is that, okay, so the wizard-like abilities is a reference to our our own innate psychic abilities. And what I argue is that we all have these abilities. So what that whole section of the book is about is showing the evidence that these abilities exist in the first place. So really what Mm -hmm. I'm trying to do is to expose people to the evidence that psychic stuff is actually real, telepathy, remote viewing, clairvoyance, these things that are considered to be science fiction in certain circles, actually there's scientific evidence, some of which is just using statistics where it's very subtle, but they seem to exist, that we all have these innate abilities, which many people, including myself as of two plus years ago, didn't even know that, that it exists or that there's any evidence for it. Mm-hmm. 
Well, Mark, you really dived in. Boy, did you have one heck of awakening <laughs> because you're really bringing it all together. I love it. And it's it's just um, wonderful to see. Now, one thing I would love you, because I love your description of this, and if you could elaborate on it, um, of consciousness and or reality in, in terms of water as being consciousness. Because I think a lot mm-hmm. of people say, well, what is conscious or how would I describe consciousness? Yeah. I would say the, the most accurate answer to start is, is that language is limited and consciousness now I view okay. it, to, to, it as something that is inherently unlimited. So when we use language, mm-hmm. we're already um, kind of artificially tainting it. But I think the best way to describe consciousness using language is to say it is our subjective inner experience of being alive and that awareness that we all have. When I say that I am speaking right now, the I that I am referring to, that is the consciousness. And when I say mm. I am thinking, for example, I am thinking, that means there's a, almost a divide between the consciousness and the thought because I am thinking. I am the witness of the thoughts. So I am mm-hmm. basically, or I slash consciousness, we, is the context, the context of experience. And it's not a physical mm-hmm. thing, so it's difficult to describe. But everyone listening right now has it, if you're listening. Mm-hmm. So in a way, we can, it, to me, it reminds me also of, you know, mindfulness, meditation versus the meditative state. Because as soon as I'm being mindful or I'm, you know, in the practice of something, I'm, 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 there's a separation there or seemingly duality you know now I'm the witness and the witnesser but then when I'm in that meditative state I'm so in it that I perhaps can't describe it <laughs> I, I, I can't describe it because I'm, I'm, I'm it now I am you know yeah. I'm not looking at it I'm not that, that observer um, you know effect yeah it, um, it's a state now, of subjectivity so when we try to use language and objectify okay. it we, there's a gap mm-hmm and when you look at uh, reality or consciousness as being able to create or transform matter, any thought on that where, you know, because it is consciousness made manifest, consciousness, I, I feel it's in everything, but, you know, to, to lesser and more degree. And perhaps the question is, you know, what makes matter, you know, or what is the, is there, is all matter consciousness or, you know, must be on some level. Um, or is there a, a, divide with how much consciousness is there and how much matter is there? These are important questions. I think the the way I view it, again, to say that consciousness is primary to matter, is fundamental, that would imply that everything Mm. in the physical universe is an experience within consciousness. So the human body, for example, is one lens of experience of consciousness, but everything in the physical realm, arguably, under this framework, should be a different lens of experience. What those other lenses of experiences are, whether it's an animal or something else, we can't really know that for sure. But what seems to be implied by this idea is that everything in the physical is an experience of consciousness. Yeah. We've got Denise in the chat saying this is on the Christmas list gift list now. Got to throw this book under the tree. Uh, yeah, I say all Thank of you, you get the book for uh, Thanksgiving, Hanukkah, Christmas, any time where you're reading, anything comes up about what you do or believe in, go, oh, by the way, 
I just have this book for you. <laughs> yeah, uh, I agree. Yeah, good thing to have under the under the put it under the tree. So that goes into everything, and in a sense, you talk about how, in a way, then if every if we're these pool of you know a water, and then there's various pools, then in this interconnectedness, we may separate out, but there is no actual or true separation. If you could, I'm glad you brought up the, the whirlpool analogy. It's a good one, and I use it early in the book. It's actually one that Dr. Bernardo Castro, a philosopher in this area, came up with, which says. To imagine that all of reality is like a stream of water, where water represents consciousness. Each of us is like a whirlpool within that stream. In other words, we're all made of consciousness, but we have these individualized, localized experiences within our whirlpool of perception. But fundamentally, we are all connected as part of the same stream of water. So when a whirlpool stops being a localized whirlpool in that stream, the water simply flows into the broader stream. It doesn't leave the stream. It just transitions into a new state, sort of like when the consciousness of a living person, uh, when, the, when the body dies, the consciousness is transitioning into a new state, but it doesn't just disappear. doesn't disappear. Oh, Mark, love this. We are winding out of time on this dimension right now. Um, but I have thoroughly, I've thoroughly enjoyed this, um, and I just think your book is fantastic. I'm just thinking uh, what you're bringing to the world is, you know, not only relevant but just, you know, so important and needed right now. So, uh, thanks for taking the time to be on Awakenings. Well, thank you for having me and for giving me the chance to speak about the book. I, I agree with you. I think the topics are extremely important, and that's why I felt like I had to write a book on this topic and why I felt comfortable putting my name on it, even as someone who is not in the consciousness field. I just thought it was that important, where I want information out to people and hopefully make it accessible for a non-scientist and a non-philosopher, for an everyday person who is just curious about who they are and what they're doing here. Yeah. Well, and I think the fact of where you're coming from and background is what's needed. You know, as a bridger, I mean, you people will even more listen, you know, um, that you are in the field that you're in, but yet you have have this awareness and are studying, you know, there's that. And I think that's where we're going in this, you know, new paradigm is the amalgamation of this, what doesn't seem to fit, but does fit because it's, you know, living out the paradox in a sense. So. I think it's um, just amazing and so uh, so perfect for the time that we're in. Yeah, thank you very much. Thank you, Mark. Okay, we were um, on air with Mark Gober for Awakening Dialogue. Uh, his book is An End to Upside-Down Thinking, Dispelling the Myth that the Brain Produces Consciousness, and the implications for everyday living. I agree with Denise in the chat. A must, a must, a must. Under the Hanukkah bush, the uh, Christmas tree, whatever. I think, yeah, great gift. Um, and great to have her on your own shelf as well. And if you want to find out more information, you can go to markgober.com, and that's M-A-R-K-G-O-B-E-R.com, and uh, find out more information about him. Great. Great, great, great guest. All right, everyone, and thanks to everyone in the chat, all your uh, insights and questions and uh, just holding the space. And for everyone else that called in, thank you for being a part of Awakenings. 
If you did not get your reading or get a question answered, I will allow extra time next week. So those phone lines better be lit up because I will be here uh, as I am almost every Wednesday. So enjoy being with all of you. And again, for um, all things Awakenings, please email me at awakeningspodcast at gmail.com. And for personal work, you can email me at at soulplayground.life. So as always, continue to shine your light, share your insight, and of course, keep awake, everyone. Just keep awake. Awakenings broadcasts every Wednesday, 12 p.m. Pacific Time. Archive shows are available on iTunes. For continued awakening conversation and insights, join the Awakenings group on Facebook and visit Michelle's blog at soulinsightsforspiritledliving.com. That's soulinsights, the number four, spiritledliving.com. Keep awake.